Hey, my name is Brianna, and you're listening to the FCC Grayson Podcast. God is doing some incredible things here at First Church. To learn more about FCC and maybe plan your visit, head on over to FCCGrayson.com. We hope today's message gives you hope, inspires, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive into today's message. And good morning, First Church family. This morning, we are going to be continuing in our Redeemer study. We have said over the past few weeks that we have moved from really a focus on our horizontal relationship, that is, our position in God and the health uh, and the vitality of our relationship with God. And we've moved somewhat to more of the horizontal element of our relationships, which means the relationships that we have with one another. So when we think about the relationships that we have with one another, um, we don't need to look outside of the realm of the relationship that we have with God. Because in, in full honesty, our relationships with one another are going to truly be dependent upon the health of our relationship with God. Now, I'm, I'm very aware that uh, you do not have to have a relationship with God to have a good marriage. You do not have to have a relationship with God to have a good friendship or good, a, a good working environment with your coworkers, but we cannot have full relationships. We cannot have them to their designed capacity and their designed, uh, the, the structure that God has, the purpose that He has for our relationships. They're not going to be full without a relationship with God. So as we think about how important our relationships with one another are, let's make sure that we're always viewing them through the lens that the most important relationship that we have, the most important thing in our life, is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing even comes close. So over the past few weeks, we have talked about a couple practical, very challenging, but very practical uh, biblical concepts in our horizontal relationships. That being reconciliation and that being forgiveness. So we're dealing with these practical applications of our, uh, our horizontal relationships of when the, ten, the, the times the relationships can be strained. This morning, I want us to kind of turn inward, uh, in, still in a very practical sense, but something that still very much affects our relationship with one another. We're going to be talking about joy this morning, and we're going to look at the source of our joy. As we've looked at reconciliation, as we've looked at forgiveness, those are things that, that make us right with one another. But what makes us right with ourselves? What continues that process of an ongoing, healthy, vertical relationship with God, all the while impacting not only the closest relationships around us, but also the way that we live in the world around us, period. And I want to introduce to you the concept that it can be found in that one word of joy. 
Now we're going to be looking at a couple different words this morning. Uh, we're going to be looking at joy, but we're also going to be looking at happiness and, and pleasure and the word good. And we're going to see that there is a major difference in all of these words, in particular joy, because it stands alone. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, and if you don't and you're watching this, pause the video. Go get your Bible. I, I want you to have contact with God's Word this morning. And I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Philippians. Now that's a New Testament uh, epistle of Paul. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. And we're going to be reading the first 11 verses this morning. So Philippians chapter 1, starting with verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first days until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you all are partakers with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may prove what is excellent and be so pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we pray that you were pleased with the reading of your word this morning. And God, I pray that, uh, that you will continue to be pleased as we move forward today, as we look in your word about, uh, about this this concept of joy. And as we look at our vertical relationship with you and how that affects truly our joy, I pray that our hearts, minds, ears, and spirits would be opened to what you have to say to us this morning. Father, I take this moment now and I pray for me that God, that you would remove me and Holy Spirit, you use my voice to speak and divide the word rightly today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in preparation for this message, I almost um, didn't use this passage out of Philippians. Um, not that I have anything against it. It was just one of those things that, that didn't initially come to my mind as I was preparing this. I, we're going to go to Colossians 3 here in just a few moments, and I thought that's where we're going to uh, plant the stake, and that's where we're going to spend the time this Sunday morning. But as I began reading this, and I began to think about joy in our time, in this time period of 2020, as we are looking at the word joy, and we look at all of the things that are surrounding us, we look at everything that's taken place in this calendar year, as, as we're getting ready to close out the year 2020, by the way, which is, which is kind of astonishing to me because it it's felt like it's taken 20 years, but at the same time, it feels like it's just started. But with everything, take just a moment and think 
to yourself about everything that's transpired in 2020. Think about how it's affected not only the world around us, but think about the way that it's affected you. For those of you who are extroverts, for those of you who really like being around people constantly, and that's, that's kind of how you recharge. You know, you people that, that when you have to spend time alone, uh, it drains you. Now, that, that's such a foreign concept to me because I love people for the most part. I love being around people for the most part, but it exhausts me. Truly, it does. Uh, that doesn't mean that I, um, I don't enjoy it. But what that means is that I have to have time for myself in the quiet, in solitude, alone with my thoughts. And you know what? Turns out, turns out, I really don't have that many thoughts. I really don't. But for those of you who are extroverts, being kind of in this state of quarantine and, and, and out of community and this social distance life that we've all had to embrace here, that's taxing and that's wearing on you. And I mean, those of us who... Uh, you know, with, with different situations of working from home or not being in an office or not being able to work or not having income or depending on something else or waiting through a process. I mean, 2020 has been difficult. So in this situation, as we are looking at the year 2020, what can we look at and say there is joy in that? There is joy in that. And one of the reasons that I really felt like it was important for us to land in the book of, of Philippians this morning is because of the situation that Paul found himself in as he was writing this. Now this, Philippians is one of the most encouraging letters that Paul writes, but it's also known as a prison epistle, which means that Paul was in prison as he was writing this letter. But yet it's a letter that from beginning to end is full of this one theme, and that is the joy that is in Paul's life. So now picture this. We all know the situations we're in. We all know the frustrations that we find ourselves in. We see the uncomfortable things. We feel the uncomfortable things. We're experiencing these uncomfortable things. But let's be real honest this morning. If you are watching me right now, you're not in a prison cell somewhere, most likely. Who knows? Maybe you are, but anyhow, the majority of you are not in a prison cell. I mean, we've got things that are going wrong, sure. But you're not where Paul was. Paul, sitting in one of the deepest, darkest prisons, chained to another dude who's probably looking over his shoulder going, Hey, Paul, what are you doing? What you writing there, buddy? But yet Paul begins this letter and he begins to show us and teach us a lesson about where our joy needs to come from. So let's look at this. Let's look at this concept here. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. What's Paul focusing on as he's writing this letter? Is he focusing on the situation around him? Is he focusing on his circumstances? Is he focusing on where he is and what's going on in his life? No, he's focusing on things that he remembers of this church, of these believers, of the impact that they're having on the kingdom, of God's blessing on their lives. May I present to you just this thought this morning? And it may not be... It may not be sweeping across the board an accurate statement, but I, I, I have a feeling that it is. I believe that out of all the things 
that I am seeing and have seen God do through this season of 2020, this this COVID-19 global pandemic, one of the things that I have seen God's hand in doing is I believe that He is pulling away, that He is stripping away, that He is revealing in every one of our lives sources of joy that are misplaced. I believe that He is revealing to us things that we thought that brought us joy, things that we had to have in order to have joy. I believe that He is stripping those away to show us that not only are they misplaced, but they're also temporal. They're temporary sources of joy. And this is where I want to talk about good and, and pleasurable here because God gives good gifts he gives us things that are good that we are intended to enjoy he gives us things we have things in our life that bring us pleasure that God has gifted to us that he is intended for that to bring pleasure but the problem that I have the problem that you have is we take these gifts from God and we exalt them higher than the giver himself so we start to look for our source of joy which joy is an internal thing Happiness, pleasure, good, all of those other things, these are circumstantial. These are based on what's going on around us. Where do I find myself? Am I able to see my family? Am I able to be with my friends? Am I able to go to church? Am I able to do the things that I really like to do? Am I able to play sports? Am I able to travel? Am I able to go to a restaurant? Am I able to do all of these things which are good? They're pleasurable. But friends, they were never intended to be our source of joy. They were never intended to be that thing that when we maybe have nothing else to turn to, when maybe we've hit rock bottom, or maybe when we are at the foundational level of just an existence, we were never meant to look to those and go, oh, I'm, that my source of joy has been removed. And that's not making light of the impact that they have on our lives. But friends, hear me. Those were never meant to be your source, source of joy. That is is found in Jesus and in Him alone. Ephesians chapter 2, when we talked about that a couple weeks ago about our purpose, it's in Christ. Now I'm going to make a statement because I've seen so many things out of my own life that have been taken away that I've been going, wow, I put a whole, way too much stock in that and it's bringing joy in my life. But even the things, the good things, the biblical things that we can see, and I'm going to throw one out at you, and this is the one where it got me, hit me closest to home, is being able to be together on Sunday mornings. Are we called to do that? Yeah, we're called to do that. Does God's Word instruct us to do that, command us to do that in Hebrew? Yeah, absolutely, no doubt about it. But if not being able to be together on Sunday mornings takes away my joy, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, my joy is in the wrong place. Again, not a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's a critical thing. It's a crucial thing for our walk. But it's not the source of our joy. So that's why I feel like it's so important for us to understand this this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi is because he's talking about joy in the midst of of far worse circumstances than most all of us are in right now. He says, I thank God for the remembrance of you, always in prayer, in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. Again, he's making that decision. Why? Because 
Paul's source of joy is not movable. Paul's source of joy cannot be taken from him. His source of joy is not about where he's sitting or who he has next to him or what type of situation he's in or what his bank account says or what kind of job he's in or what kind of relationship he has or what state the world in general is in. Paul's source of joy is in Jesus Christ and him alone and that allows him in the midst of a deep dark prison cell to pen these words that when I pray for you, I pray with all joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel. Verse 6. This is, this is kind of where I, where I want to bounce back and forth a little bit here. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart because you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Then he goes on to say in verse 9, says, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve of what is excellent and, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and to the praise of God. So how do we do this? Number one, I think is what I've been talking about. We have to identify truly what is our source of joy in our life. Is it in Christ? Because, friends, I'm, I'm, going, to make, I'm going to say something here, and, and please understand that this comes out of all the love I have in my heart. Jesus Christ did not come live an innocent life, be beaten, mocked, spat upon, be broken, bleed, and die for you to experience your best life now. He didn't. And if you think that, I, I encourage you to look at the life of the New Testament disciples. Look at what they went through in their life. Look at how much Jesus talked about suffering. Look at the way that the disciples died, even. Now, did Jesus, does Jesus bless us? Absolutely He does. Does He give us things that we do not deserve? Absolutely He does. But those things that He gives us, those blessings that He bestows upon us that we deserve in no way, shape, or form were never intended to be our source of joy. We're never intended to be what we serve. So, we... we, we maybe have an understanding now that we've been placing joy in the wrong things. I'm guilty, and I'm just going to go ahead and make the statement, you are guilty as well. We all do it, whether it be kids, finances, cars, money, house. Insert worldly, earthly, temporal things here. We're all guilty of it. But how? This verse 6 that, and I'm sure that he who began a good work, and you were going back to this sanctification process this ongoing motion of becoming more and more like Christ as we go along and we'll bring it to completion the day of Jesus Christ okay so what does that look like what does that mean in my life if I'm looking at okay I'm God stripping away all of these things that maybe I've been putting 
a, and, and maybe I didn't even know it, but I've been putting a level of joy dependency into this thing and he's stripping it away. But he's saying that he's faithful. Paul's making this declaration that he's faithful to bring about the good work that he started in me the, the, in the fulfillment of the day of Jesus Christ. So what does that look like in this process as I grow? As I, grow? I think that's where we need to go to Colossians chapter 3. Now I'm going to be reading a good chunk of Scripture here. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 17, so follow along with me. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, two, in these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive." See last week's sermon. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. In whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and to God the Father through Him. Notice in this passage, if you'll go back and reread it after we're done here, it talks about our vertical relationship first, about us being in Christ and us putting away uh, and putting aside all of the worldly desires and lusts and sexual immoralities and anger and malice and jealousy and unforgiveness and bitterness and all of those things that we, are, we have such a tendency to do in our flesh. But then it shifts, and it begins to talk about the relationship we have with one another. You see, Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, understood that everything that we do here on earth needs to be anchored in Jesus Christ. Even to the place where Paul was willing to sit in a prison cell and write epistles talking about the joy of the Lord in his life. About how others brought him joy. How he saw kingdom work and the gospel being expanded and that brought him joy. About how every time he thought about the work that they'd been doing, he was filled with joy. About whenever he thought about them as brothers and sisters, that brought him joy. You see, that doesn't happen in a prison cell unless your joy is focused on Jesus Christ. You see, as we go along in Philippians, we see in, in chapters 2 and 3 and 4, especially these themes of joy, of it, it, it brings joy 
to Paul. But I think that we have an insightful passage that um, about 101 times out of 100, most of the time is used out of context. We see the Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. But having the perspective that we have now of Paul, his location, his situation, and his circumstances, and how they did not dictate his source of joy. Let's read Philippians 4. We'll start with verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Again, in prison. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. So the context of Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Him, is knowing that my source of joy is never changing. Friends, no matter what 2020 has thrown at us, no matter what its swan song may be on its way out, or no matter what the first act of 2021 might be, what it can take away, what it can destroy, what calamity it can bring, whatever, one thing that it cannot do is it cannot take our source of joy when that is rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this Word. God, I am uh, I'm so thankful for You that You are faithful to us. And help us this morning to focus our joy on You, not on uh, circumstantial things, not on situational things, not on temporal things, but on the one thing that never changes. And that's You, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen.